0: you're listening to the cars of carlisle network podcast episode number 114 featuring dallas texas based car guy russ payne this is your podcast together it's all about car community car culture Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his C of C team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip. Today we
1: head to Northeast Texas to the massive state-of-the-art 40 by 50 garage of Russ Payne. Recently completed, Russ's massive garage is a personal tribute to his late father and the many years they spent working on cars together as father and son. The new stand-alone facility is beyond just an impressive man cave. It's a fully equipped professional garage. When not working in the IT world, Russ is wrenching, modifying, and tuning a variety of vehicles in a stable, spinning the gamut from a Fox Body Mustang to a 2014 Mercedes GLK 354 Matic. It's time to head to Dallas and hang out with a true gearhead and go fast car guy. So let's get wrapped up.
0: Hello and welcome back tubers to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your trusted host Darren and in a few minutes we're going to be chatting it up with GoFast fan and friend of the CFC network, Russ Payne. Russ has a cool and and quite eclectic collection of vehicles in his massive 2,000 foot man cave garage and those four tire fun makers include the likes of a 1991 Fox Body Mustang, it's been a project car since 1998, a manual transmission 2002 Golf Diesel a 2003 Chevy Silverado, which has been recently modified for all kinds of street fun, a 2005 BMW M3 E46, and a 2014 Mercedes-Benz GLK 350 4MATIC. Did you know you can help to improve your podcast through your valued, welcomed feedback to us here at Cars of at outlook.com? I personally read every single email that comes in, And another way you can help support your favorite automotive podcast is through PayPal. And that is just by making donations, it helps us build out the content, do more traveling, getting to more um, events, and to bring more engaging and and fun uh, automotive uh, content to you. So take that opportunity when you get a chance, even right now, while you're listening to the show, to help your favorite automotive podcast and help us grow for you. Simply go to paypal.me forward slash cars of Carlisle and you can even find the link on our website cars so before we head out to the lone star state to hang out with russ payne let's tackle this week's trivia question which focuses on a famous texan everyone knows about and that is this what is the name of the late automotive legend who had an incredible impact on the american car industry born in leesburg texas on january 11th, 1923 This gentleman was also a flight instructor during the Second World War at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. That answer awaits at the end of this episode. So let's go get our speed on and hang with Russ just outside of Dallas, Texas. Hello Cubers, this is Darren and I I am talking with friend and fellow car nut Russ Payne. Russ is uh, dialed in here on a Saturday morning talking to you russ uh you're in the dallas texas area thanks for getting up a little earlier than normal or at least it's doing this at the at start of your saturday so thanks man for that
1: you're more than welcome darren uh it's been a it's been a beautiful beautiful day out here starting off with great rain on a beautiful saturday
0: <laughs> yeah and well, that's that's not exactly texas weather but uh i don't know i, I guess if, if nothing else it makes their roadways a little slick but uh and a nuisance. I'm guessing that you are. Are you in the big big garage right now?
1: Yeah, I'm just uh, sitting out here. Got the TV on and just kind of uh, kicking back or relaxing this morning.
0: All right. Well, I wanted uh, I want the key listeners to hear all about uh, the amazing garage you've built. Uh, just to talk a little bit about the fact that you have uh, you know eclectic tastes and and have all kinds of vehicles in your stable, if you will. You've got a 2005 M3. Uh, an 03 Silverado with long Tomb headers and some work you've been doing on it, in fact Some things coming up this week uh, You've got the 02 Golf uh, Diesel and then uh, A 91 Mustang that you've been uh, Tinkering around with probably since uh, Since the 90s Which uh, which car do you want to take on first? Or talk about uh, we'll
1: first? T- we'll, we'll, we'll take on the uh, Current project that's going, that's going on the Lift this week um, it's 2003 uh, Chevy Silverado with a hundred and 167,000 miles on it uh bought the the truck last year uh decided to decided I wanted to have a play truck and go from there and then started acquiring parts hadn't had the shop built yet was going to do it uh over to friends and we kind of got tied up in stuff he was working on other projects so I've just been acquiring parts since last year um and then I started going a little further and deep, deep and deep and deep. And then finally, uh, said, you know what? We're going to do heads, cam lifters, going to do the whole top end and the front side of the motor. And then, uh, just been doing little things here and there. Um, it's a small, pro- a small project, but big project. Um, it's ultimate goal will be a six liter or 6.2, uh, 408, uh, that I have, uh, sitting on the stand, uh, Completely bare right now, but and that 5.3, three. Then it'll sooner or later come out and go into the Mustang. I'll be doing an LSX swap, so it's a it's a small small project, but <laughs> I should have it done <laughs> over the next week or so. And then I've got about a month worth of uh, uh, tuning on it.
0: Wow! Now the the Silverado. Will you will this see uh, any off road or is this just going to be just a really cool badass street truck? So
1: basically, it's going to be a, st- a street truck. I had a uh, I had a two thousand GMC uh back when back when my son was uh, born, uh, that I sold and got a family car and I picked this truck up last year to replace something since he turned he's turning sixteen this next year. Um, I'm getting the golf ready for him, uh, teaching him to drive the standards since it's a lost art. Mm-hmm. And I wanted uh, wanted my truck back, uh that I've had so that I was missing from fifteen years ago. So
0: well, went from there Will hill toe shifting be part of the uh, the lesson plan in the rubric for your son?
1: What? Yes, uh, but in the diesel, it's not really needed uh, as much. Uh, just t- just teaching them to feather the clutch without using the gas pedal in the diesel uh, will be the first and first thing. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, good. Now, when the when the Mustang gets the new power plant, what's your uh, long term vision for for that uh, for the pony car? Uh, that
1: one right there may end up going, going on a trailer, uh, at the end of the day. The project was, project was started in in 98. I bought it from the original owner, uh, that had it for years to start off as a four cylinder. And I started putting stuff together. Me and my dad did. Um, uh, the ultimate goal was to work on it with him, uh, but due to his passing last year. Uh, this was basically a project that's, uh, that's been kind of passing it down to my son and going from there, so. Yeah, and
0: I'm sorry about that. So it'll
1: be, and yeah, no, it's, it's fine. It's, uh, it cancer kills a lot of people, so it's a, it's a project in the works and it's something, uh, mm-hmm. something that needs to be done. And the ultimate goal will be, um, probably that 5 three, uh, with, lo- with the lower compression and probably boost on it. Uh, it's already got a Ford nine inch underneath it. Uh, it's already got full tubular suspension, uh, coilovers. The interior needs to be pulled out, and I might tub it at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. it's one of the one of the vehicles that I'd like to see see in the low nines, uh, low nines, upper eights, wow. quarter mile. So
0: wow, yeah, then that that's uh, now you're getting into a real, real machine at that level. You're going sub ten. Yeah. Very cool. Now will you uh you roll cage it? Of course. I
1: will roll cage it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yep. I guess you almost have to when you're getting into those ETs.
1: Yeah, the requirements of the track are what they are. I believe anything under anything under the under tens or even under elevens, depending on the vehicle. There's only a handful of cars out there that can go down the track at those speeds without needing a roll cage mm-hmm. that are certified to go down. So Yeah. Yeah.
0: For real, have you spent much time? I mean, quarter miling is that somewhere in in your past, or have you been doing that in recent years, or wanting to kind of get into that whole new foray? No, I've
1: I ran quarter mile, I ran eighth mile. Uh, back back when growing up, we we ran eighth mile a lot just because it was a, it was basically twenty dollars bring your vehicle, run it down the track, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go out there and run and have fun. Uh, the fastest the Mustang's been is uh seven eighties and an eight. Uh, which is cooking right along with, uh, the setup that was on it. It's running right, right now. Last time, well, last time it ran, uh, it was running 12 to 1 compression and 150 shotted, uh, knots on it. So it was nothing to scoff at, at what's in it right now either, but it's basically <laughs> not, not capable of hitting those numbers. Uh, the drivetrain's got reinforcement that can handle it, just it needs to have larger, larger tires under it, okay. underneath and a bigger power plant. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I understand. Okay. Well, let's uh let's shift into a little bit about the 05M3 and I know this has been a, a very fun purchase and you and your wife have had uh, a lot of great memorable road trips in that car. Um uh, it was two summers ago, right, that you picked that up?
1: Yeah, 2 years ago. Um I I actually I actually acquired that after uh talking with friends during a meeting and I happened to be on an airplane flying back uh flying back from DC. And uh, I found it online in Austin, and it was a car that was always residing in Texas, which is a big, big deal for the uh, no more no salt underneath and no no damages.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It had uh, sixty seven thousand uh, miles on it two years ago, and I picked it up for a uh, steal at eleven five. And yeah, that is great.
0: The, yeah, it
1: was it was one of the vehicles I sold my I sold my Evo. Uh, Whenever I picked up some other things, and it was a vehicle that me and my wife talked about that she wanted a convertible. I didn't really care, Uh, hardtop or convertible to me didn't matter. But we both agreed it needed to have a six-speed, and we're like, okay, well, we'll we'll keep an eye out for an M3, just so we have some fun. And I wanted a naturally aspirated because I just wanted to hear the spelling machine at eight thousand RPM. So the there were a couple road trips that we did and. I've done a couple mods to it. I can't leave well enough alone. The car, the car comes from the factory night, but it needs to have tender loving care and some maintenance. The, uh, I did a electric thing upgrade. I did an oil, oil cooler upgrade from CSF and the, uh, radiator upgrade from CSF. And then I did a small tune on it and a little bit of exhaust work on the, on the third section. But it, um, uh, the short throw shifter helped out quite a bit too. Um, me and the, me and the wife did a couple road trips, uh, down to Shreveport, going through Davy Crockett State Park, uh, with the car club. And then, uh, we did another, we did two of those trips, uh, down to Shreveport. One was through Davy Crockett and the other one through East Texas, uh, one of the other state parks. It's about a four and a half, five hour road trip. I went, it's only about two hours to Shreveport from where I live. So we went through all the back roads. Um, the car, the car handles amazing. Um, by all means, it, it's a driver's car. I wouldn't even. I'm not even going to. The only reason why I threw as much power out as I did, just by bolt, some bolt-ons, was mostly maintenance and the sound. But in general, it drives amazing and it holds the corners and keeps up with the, even the most exotics that are out there. If you give me a bunch of corners with the exotics that have all the power, I'm basically on the on their tail the entire time. So. I'm
0: happy with it. Yeah. Well, you you told me before that uh, you were hanging with some some cars that probably are five, six, seven times the price, and having no trouble with it. In fact, just taking the turns flat, uh, complete, you know, completely centered, and no surprises. And you didn't have any of those, uh, you know, butt cheek clamping moments. Everything. I mean, she did exactly what you wanted when you wanted her to.
1: Exactly, hitting the corners and that thing is is so refined. I you, I can't say you don't have to be a driver to drive it because you really do. You need to you need to know how to drive it, but it doesn't have those moments that you would have like in a Porsche 911 where you feel like you're in control of it and all of a sudden you lose it, right. uh, where the tail end whipped out whips out around you. But the BM M3 is a just a refined machine, especially for that year. The E46 models are just. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing mm-hmm. uh, machine. Um, the only the only issue that I've had over the there was one one road trip recently where we did it was uh I escaped from corona uh during this uh during this uh pandemic. Uh we decided we wanted a tri- road trip during the thing. Me and, me and a friend of mine from, that I've known forever, we went out on the went out on this there was like nine of us out there. And we're all having fun and the officers, officers at the quick, quick trip basically came up and started, uh, started, uh, gawking at the cars and admiring everybody's vehicles and telling us to stay safe, but they were leaving us alone. So we went out running and we had no problems. There are, there's things that I would, I would say to avid people who take uh, road trips like this and kind of miles or high speed. Uh, the back roads we were doing, we were doing clips of three digit numbers and setting cruise control at those times because there's nobody out on the road. It was a beautiful time to do it. Mm-hmm. But whenever you get into the city, city atmospheres where we're, we're cruising around at normal speeds and we're trying to pass people, some people have no respect for high end exotics and no, no respect for anybody out on the road. And they will actually, uh, I had one guy actually sling his trailer at me. Uh, as I was trying to pass him and put me over on the side of the road. Whoa. Um,
0: just completely so he, intentional. Yes, and,
1: he, wow. he had a skid steer on the back of it, and he intentionally slung the trailer. Wow. He had all of us passing him, and he was pissed off because he was being passed. Wow. So that happened recently. So, yeah, it's, it's not the... He, people just need to respect the road a little bit, and we as drivers are. We're, we're safe. We are, we have radios in the vehicles when we're running these speeds. And I wouldn't do this without it, without the car club, because we're outfitted with uh, CV radios, long range, mm-hmm. and we built up, and then we have a trailing car, a forward car, and we're telling people, hey, it's not clear to path, it's not clear to path. Mm-hmm. So if you're just out there driving and having a good time by yourself, it's one thing. Be very cautious. Uh, we're very cautious when we're running at those speeds because we don't need any fatalities or any accidents that we shouldn't have we also do inspections of vehicles before we ever go out on these tires are a must your tires aren't within uh 50 at least uh we don't want you on the rallies it's it's not nice it's not safe and that's what we're about we're out to have fun and be safe
0: yep makes sense now i hear you wow yeah, I'm sorry. It's unbelievable that, uh, I mean, I know we've all encountered some uh, road rage and, and others that are, but the fact of trying to swing that kind of tonnage around, uh, that's, that really is upsetting. Oh, no, yes. Well, anything, once uh, the pandemic starts to lighten up, has the car club decided to do anything else? Uh, I know you said escape from Corona, but uh, anything, maybe in the latter half of 2020 that may hit the books for you guys?
1: Uh, we, uh, we every year we do a, um, a, uh, basically a fundraiser for the North Texas Food Bank, and it's a, it's a poker run that we do every year. Uh, I think this will be either ninth, ninth year or tenth year this year. Um, we we have close to 100 to 150 guys, uh, and, and ladies that come out that that we run a run an all day or at least a half a day a poker run, and we have good rallies and prizes and good fun, fun fundraisers fundraiser for this so um, that's that'll be coming up probably in october September October time frame okay. uh there's other rallies going on that I'm not able to make um, I'd like to um, there's a rally that got pushed to I think June. Uh, it was supposed to be in May, but it's been pushed to June. It got in Vegas. Um a little higher end, but I'm, I was going to go on that one, but couldn't make it. Uh, I've got a lot of funds wrapped up in the shop and things like that too. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep, trying to keep the low profile as much as possible since I have some high profile items that I've, uh, I've acquired over the last couple of days.
0: 10 months <laughs> yes you have that, uh, I've seen a couple of those pictures too <laughs> Some fun toys <laughs> Which I, th- I think You segued pretty ideally Right now to uh, The Taj Mahal if you will you know, The Garage Mahal um, Talk a little bit about the 40 by 50 Beauty that you are actually Talking to us from right now And how it all came to be from concept To the amazing Space you're in right now
1: Um it came, it came about whenever, whenever I was building my first house. Uh, I'll go back to that. point. when I was building my first house uh, out in Grand Prairie, I initially, I initially told uh, told my dad that I needed, I wanted to see pop through the garage floor. We, he was in construction, and I worked construction with him for years. So, it it's avid to actually do your own work as much as you can, and if you can pay for pay some, someone to do some of it, do it great. If not, do it yourself. It take a little more pleasure. But the, when we did the epoxy floor in my first house, um, I worked out in the garage a lot and I really enjoyed it. But whenever I got, when I moved and, uh, kind of had a little, a bump, a bump in my life at early age with, uh, with my first wife. And, uh, I decided, I decided whenever, whenever I finally recovered and kind of, Built, built my life with my kids and my current wife and went went through the whole whole deal. Um, I haven't had a garage, a physical garage that I could call uh, where I could park my vehicles and work on them, except in a driveway on gravel mm-hmm. for 15 to 16 years. My dad was pushing me to get a garage and not, and he just not, he wasn't, he wasn't ever aspecting this size, but uh, when we were talking, and I've been, I've been working on this for ten to twelve years, uh, thinking about what I wanted to do once once I got the once the kids were older, and I knew where where stuff in my life was going. And the the, the uh, shit or get off the pot moment happened uh, back in November. Uh, there were projects that I put on standstill uh, because I wanted to wanted to do those do those with uh do those with my father but uh the uh the time the time had come where it, i just needed to just needed to actually do something that uh made me happy in a sense that i could focus all my efforts on stuff mm-hmm. let's uh let me uh let me get into an area real quick uh sorry about this there's a there's a rainstorm going on. You probably hear it in the background. I'm going to jump into the, jump into the truck and roll the windows up while I'm in the garage today. So okay. it's a, at okay. least I can sound deaden it a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I can pop this up. Um, oh, there we go. Okay,
0: taking measures in the truck. Very good.
1: It's a, being able to jump in your vehicle inside the garage, roll the windows up have some more insulation on, uh, insulate yourself in the sound. of High end rain. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, that was a turning moment. Uh, some of the stuff my dad taught me through the years, uh, twisting wrenches and things like that. Hand lapping valves on a Chevrolet at whenever you're 10. Um, basically you knew what you wanted to do. You just didn't want to do it for a living. It was a hobby. It was something I enjoyed. hmm. So I decided to go, okay, how much, how much space do I want? And whenever I selected how much space I wanted, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do a 30 by 40. And then I thought, you know, started looking at the stuff that I had, looking at the stuff that I acquired, the vehicles I already had, and I went, oh, 40 by 50, that's an extra 800 square feet. I, it's, not, it's not that much more to do, and you do it once, forget about it. If I need to add a lean tube on the backside, I can add a lean tube on the backside and enclose it, kind of, and and kind of park vehicles behind the building right. if I want to. Um, so, forty by fifty was uh, was the choice. I made that choice back in back in May or June last year, just to, as a fixture number. And then I thought, you know, hey, how high? You're you're sitting there. How how tall do you want the walls to be? Because and then you start thinking, well. You want to put a lift in it, so you want to make sure you have enough room for that. And then the minimum, the minimum you could do is ten foot, ten foot outside walls. And I'm on this felt claustrophobic, so the outside walls are actually twelve foot, and the center is about thirteen and a half. Yeah, I think so,
0: that's smart. So
1: it's got a, about a one, a one degree pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then we're like, okay, so we the thought was in the head. This is what we want to do. and Then we started pricing out. Um, and I kind of, I kind of laissez faire the pricing out until about May, uh, May last year, and then, uh then I started go out, just trying to poking around at numbers. Well, after after November, I was like, okay, I need some focus. I'm going to need room to move move my dad's tools. I'm going to need room to move my vehicles. I need to get back to stuff that I for myself and uh, kind of back to center whats what's more important is it is uh, working twenty four seven or working you know sixty hour work weeks the most important thing or do you need to actually have a spot where you can go out and sit and work and enjoy what you do mm-hmm. so after after November, I talked with a contractor about the building um he gave me some numbers, uh, rough estimate numbers, which were very reasonable. Uh, everywhere I've been, everybody I've talked to about the numbers have been reasonable. I live in an area. I'm living on an acre of land. I live in a count in the county. that requires no building permits, which is a big deal. Uh, big deal here. Um, I have No studies. No nothing. No permits for electricals to the building. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it makes things a little more reasonable, and things can go up a lot quicker. But we started in January. Well, I signed the paperwork in January just uh, for the uh, the loan on the building. And we started the project January 15-ish. Then the tsunami uh, in Dallas and the whole state of Texas got hit with so much rain that it pushed the project. It just kept pushing the project and pushing the project. Right. Um, I got... Uh, the, well, I signed the paperwork work in January January 15th. They were going to start on it the next weekend, start putting forms up, start pouring concrete the following week. And then we just never had a dry day. It was almost every day there was rain on the ground, nothing where you can prep. February came along and it become a little drier. They were able to pour. The concrete was finished by February 25th. And then rain hit again. And... They didn't physically start building on it until end of March. That's how they, they almost they waited almost an entire month to build on the concrete because that's how much rain there was. They couldn't even get out here to oh, uh, bring in the right. bring in the beams and everything else.
0: Right, and probably mud everywhere.
1: Oh, it, it was a, it was a nightmare. They it, it, what, whatever could happen was going to happen. It was going to push this project now saving grace side of this, and it, I, there's, there's the glass half empty and glass half full attitude on this one. The benefit on the whole deal was I didn't know when it was going to start, and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit, and then we're told to, s- to stay at home. We can work from home. I'm going, okay, I'm working from home. I got to be here from start to finish of the project and watch the building go up, watch the contractors, what they did, and got to get ideas while I worked on majority of my work from the house. There was a couple of days where I popped into the office to grab things, but for the most part, I did all my work from the house since we're capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was able to watch, and it was a big benefit on a side note, so it benefited me that we got got shut down in that sense where I could actually work from the house. So I was happy about that, but it made me stir-crazy uh, working from the house all the time. Yeah. So, But they started. They started mid March. We had a bunch of windy days, so got pushed, got pushed. They finished. They turned the keys over of the Bear Building to me on April seventh. I took that position. We started in January by April seventh. Some people would say, "Oh, that's fast." Now, every other place in the country, oh, that's amazingly fast. Well, they have to deal with permits. They could have built the building up put the concrete down and had it done in four, less than 45 days mm-hmm. right. starting in January so but but uh, the uh, from there it was like now it's the, hey, you're, as they're building you're starting to get ideas of where you're going to put things and what you want to use and things like that and I decided to uh, insulate the building we did uh, spray foam insulation one inch closed cell uh, which is during these last couple of days, it got to 95 degrees here in here in Dallas. All of a sudden, and it dropped to I think it's 55, 55 to 60 right now. Uh, but it dropped in temp because the storm just blew in. But at 95 degrees, oh, a couple of days, and I was out in the shop had the doors open. I have a big 10 by 10 on the front and mm-hmm. an 8 by 7 on the rear. Um, I had a little fan going, and it, it was mild temperatures in the shop. Wow. Um, I could sit there and work uh, with the with the foam insulation. But uh, they did the foam, then, then me and a friend of mine actually did all the electrical work. We, uh, we trenched uh, 40 feet to the house, uh, ran, uh, ran the main cable over to the building. I got a 100-amp service at the, inside the shop. And then we've got close to 21 four-gang, uh, four-outlet 20-amp 20, uh, 20 plug boxes, uh, two separate circuits running down uh, the four walls. Wow. So, yeah, so there, we we decided that the more outlets you can put in the place, the better. You don't <laughs> exactly. want to have to go running an extension cord. Uh, with every every eight every eight to ten feet, we have two four uh, two four uh, four gang or bo- uh, two gang boxes. So four outlets every eight to ten feet. So if you can't find an outlet in here, you're not looking. I. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, then you always think, okay, you can never have you. You need light, and then we decided we're going to do LED. Uh, it's full. It's six uh, high bay LED lights. I went with the high bays uh, one because they're just they're nice and they illuminate really well, and they were cheap. Exactly. Um,
0: and I mean, efficient uh, I to maintain too. Amazed. What? I mean, and, and efficient. The fact that you could have those lights on for a good. 14 hour Saturday work day and you're not going to watch your uh, uh, you know your, your electric pegging out
1: no I know that's the other thing um, the, uh, the, light, the lights in the shop if I during the middle of the day if it's sunny out I can just turn on two of the six lights we've put three switches up so we can mm-hmm. uh, so we can do it they're also dimmable if I really wanted to go that route but the uh, we can turn two of the lights on and we have enough light in the shop to actually work when the sun's out because the sun's coming in through the doors. Um, but the, but overall each, each fixture puts out close to 30,000 lumens. Um, they're uh, 225 Watts per, uh, fixture. So they, they're, they're efficient, but they're not non wattage uh, lights by any means. Uh, and the other, the other thing that we, I have the TV on I have everything on the meter is still going backwards during the middle of the day if this turns out so I'm it's not that big a deal to me right now so it's uh, if I have to have all the lights on I have to have all the lights on now the uh, with with everything going on and I added uh, with the compressor and everything else I wanted to make sure that it was a shop that I could be out in and not worry about anything so the end goal with everything is it's going to be climate controlled at some point in the future. I don't know if it's near or further, depending on where things land this year. And uh and that was one of the one of the main things. But I picked up a uh, eighty gallon compressor. Yeah, you you can never go too big. Uh, no. You don't know what you're going to ever run into. <laughs> but uh, I I wanted to make sure that uh, I was covered. Yeah, uh, on that, man. and you never have too much shelving either. <laughs> no. uh, as a side note,
0: I just love how you do no. everything Uber. I think that's so that's so fun. Like, and the sandblaster, you have it for when you need it. Yep. You may not need it next when week, I need it. but it's there. It's over against the wall. You're ready. So I, I I just think that's cool. But
1: if you if you can if you can imagine doing something, and if you had the tools to do it would you do it? So if you're taking a part of the vehicle and you've got, you've got, uh, crap all over it and you either going to do a parts washer, or you're going to sit out there with a, with a wire wheel brush or whatever else and clean it, or you're going to drop it over in the bead blaster and knock it off real quick mm-hmm. and just have a little bit of fun with the bead blaster. You would go over to the bead blaster because, well, it's a power tool and it's a whole, it's a whole lot more fun. Actually, it's less laborious too. And, and some of us, some of us rather do things smarter, not harder. And, uh, it's just it's a fun process in general and it comes back to a hey, stuff that makes your life easier in the shop makes your life easier. That's the reason why we did the lift. Yeah. The lift was a the the, the the lift was a main main piece. Um it's the one of the largest pieces of furniture in the shop. Um, we went the ten thousand pound uh Capable lift, two post lift made by Challenger. Which, uh, if people don't uh, don't know, Challenger is actually it's a, not a newer company, but it's not as old as Ben Pack or those kind of companies. But Challenger is actually owned by Snap On. It is a Snap On brand. Uh, is It is one of their brands for lifts. I
0: didn't
1: know that. Snap On okay. doesn't make yeah. Snap on doesn't make lifts in general, but they own Challenger, which in turn makes it their product. It Mm -hmm. came in a Snap on box when it was delivered. Okay. So, you know, it's a a good deal. Um, It is, uh, it it was rated one of the higher ones. And in reality, a a two post lift that's uh, ALI certified was the key. I wanted safety, no traineesium lifts. in my shop, uh, I try to do as much american rate stuff as I can. I, if I can, uh, there's stuff that you just can't get away from, but and there's stuff that you just don't want to pay for because it's not going to fit right. the uh, genre of what you're needing. So, sure. um, but other than that, no, we've uh, we've already done the uh, we broke the broke the lift and had a little fun on it. Uh, anybody that has one uh, or wants one knows that. You're gonna, you're gonna step on the lift and ride the lift up. You're standing on it (laughs) and have a little fun the first time you have it. Uh, we did, we did that, uh, did that the first time we had it in the shop. But, uh, after the lift was put in, the floor had to be done. And I, that was a, that was another key piece for surviving. We did, uh, we did a, uh, a nice two part epoxy floor. Uh, makes things nice and clean, easy to wipe up spills. Mm -hmm. Um, it just makes it adds that next level of aesthetics and makes it uniform and it kind of blends in uh, uh, with the uh, blue and the blue and white speckle yeah.
0: off white. And we'll definitely so, put pictures out on Instagram uh, when this goes live. Just I want everybody to see how amazing Russ's garage is. Did you keep essentially a project plan in your head, Russ, or did because obviously, like you're saying, the lift goes in, then come the floor. I mean, you have prerequisites you had. Uh, steps that had to come at or before certain other things I mean there's true project management to ma- managing and being your own contractor for all this uh, how, did, how did you keep your arms around it?
1: Um, I kept most of, all of it in my head during the during the build phase of the after, before the concrete was poured. Mm-hmm. I already had a place where I was putting the lift. I had a design in my head how far off the back wall I was wanting uh, when they poured when they poured the concrete. The areas where the lift is bolted down, the minimum the minimum thickness for it, this lift is four inches of concrete, and okay. that's why the it's four thousand it's four thousand psi, four inches of concrete is what the pad is. Except in the areas where the lift is at, the lift I basically picked the lift out before the concrete was even poured, um, and told them, "Hey, these areas I want twelve to eighteen inches thick concrete in these areas." So they built pad foots in okay. that were. According to the spec, were almost 18 inches. So they're reinforced in areas where the lift's at when they installed it, and that was a big key. If you don't know where the placement you're going to put your lift before you build your garage, there's a problem, because you don't, you don't know. You're pouring concrete going, oh, yeah, I have, I have four to four to five inches of concrete, no big deal. Well, if you're sitting underneath a vehicle at 7,000 pounds, do you really want to sk- uh, skimp on where that concrete was no. at? I don't. No, uh, indeed. I know four inches will handle it,
0: uh, but more is better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you're right. You don't want to be thinking about that when you're underneath there uh, and with no chance of rolling out because it's if it fails, it fails. Yep, yep. Wow. Now that's that's really cool. In fact, I, I think that's the theme that I've liked when we've been talking about your garage over the past Six, seven, eight weeks is the fact that if it if it'll get by with seventy percent, you've gone to one hundred and five percent. I mean, that's that's what I like. That that basically is you've built a professional garage.
1: Oh yeah, and that, and that's the other thing. You you want it to be the garage. You want to be able to come out. You want to come out and enjoy it. But you have to have added. You have to add creature comforts. I have a nice sixty-five inch TV on the front wall. You <laughs> have to have that. Of course. Um, there, for the games when they start back up and uh, you've, I've got internet out here well there's a reason for that the metal building when you shut the doors we wouldn't be talking mm-hmm. because I'm using Wi-Fi calling because I have no signal inside the building
0: well um, the fact that you should probably talk a little I mean you with the way that you have um, outfitted your own house I have no doubt that the garage is in the very best in everything
1: well when we ran the conduit um, we ran the uh, two and a half inch conduit for the electrical, I ran a separate one inch conduit for the internet connections. So I've got two two one gig connections from the house uh, that's connected to a switch inside the house uh, uh, having network access out here. Well I did that and that's the segue to the outside so on the outside of the building I went ahead and put up a 4K security camera one of the four that I'm Want to make sure I, what I wanted to use. Uh, they're all PoE cameras that I'm going to be using, so they'll go to, my, go to a nice Cisco switch that I picked up. Uh, my background is engineering uh, for computer work, so this is easy for me mm-hmm. to wire up in that sense. But the Wi-Fi in the shop is uh, 802.11 AX. Um, a lot of devices don't support AX yet, uh, but it's AX, and I get... On Wi-Fi, I'm sitting about 350 to 450 down and uh, 50 meg up yeah. uh, to the internet my, inside the house. Hardwired, I've got a gig connection down and 50 meg up, so it's it's pulling it's pulling good speeds. <laughs> I don't have any problems.
0: There are many businesses that are envious of those numbers.
1: Well, I, yeah, I I know, and that's the reason why I can work from home so easily. <laughs> uh, tie back into my office, but the the other the other thing is. The Wi-Fi access point that's out here is the, uh, the Ubiquiti. And right now, since I don't have the switch hooked up yet, since I've got it sitting on the uh, bench that's already configured, I have to get that mounted, and it was only going to be out here once I get the other cameras. I don't need it right now. The power is actually being provided from the switch in the house for those devices. So it's pushing power over the Ethernet uh, close to 125 feet mm. to the camera and to the Wi-Fi access point out here from inside the house the it's recording on motion Uh, i have a server inside the house that it records all the video to Mm -hmm. on motion and i can uh, retrieve at a later point and it notifies push notifications to my phone so i built out my security system i built out other things and of course the other creature comfort you always have to have is a refrigerator in the shop (laughs) of course
0: so i'm sure just to keep uh, cans of v8 or something like that right or just uh,
1: oh oh, (laughs) yeah you guys you're, you've got your your Gatorade Zero bottles in the center. You right. got your energy drinks at the top, and of course, the bottom's got half beer and half <laughs> liquor. So, <laughs> uh, and, so it, you have to have some fun out here, and that that was the main goal. Uh, we had a three and one watch had a twelve. 12- I was just gonna Absolutely. say. So,
0: what's the what are the plans for her she shed? I mean, that we can't lose sight of that. She have uh, like big hobbies. She's gonna do out there or something.
1: She does art and crafts, uh, and I would rather her be able to be out there and move all of her stuff out of the main house. Mm-hmm. So, I, one, I don't trip over it and see it all the time. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like organizing clutter. <laughs> so it comes back to it comes back to so she can go out there and do her arts and crafts and then come back in and be with the family, same with me, with my vehicles and right. things like that. Because all of the parts and everything I was acquiring was in my was in my home office. And my home office was getting cluttered and I couldn't get to my gaming station, which is a uh, stand-up arcade system that I built two years ago. Oh, my um, Which was kind of frustrating uh, to be around and be able to flip around to play on it whenever I got spare time, so. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now will that stay in the house or will would that find its way out to the to the man cave?
1: No, that one that one will stay in the house. Um I have uh, I like being able to get up from my computer area and go over and get away from work and then walk over to uh walk over to the uh gaming station and play the old Galaga's Pac Man's Dig Dugs and all that other stuff. Yeah. Or Street Fighter, as a matter of fact, on that uh on that system but it's basically i have my laptop i'm out in my shop if i'm inside the truck uh, doing some tuning or whatever else i can actually push wirelessly to a second to the 65 inch i can move my my charts and my graph onto the monitor while doing stuff on my laptop
0: separately nice nice yeah you have not uh overlooked any detail that's i think that's what makes this such an amazing project and the fact you have the, I mean the, the brilliance and the aptitude to do all this work yourself. I mean, like you said, your background and what you do, for a living and everything else, plays right into it. So you've been able to, to make what I think is since they're almost a, a dream garage. so That's amazing.
1: Well, the the, the big pe piece, big pieces of this day, as for people who have helped out. Uh, like I said, my my best friend Shane. Mm-hmm. He was uh he was very he was very helpful in the sense that he does a lot of woodworking. He helped out build, uh, build the, uh, uh, tables and the shelves. He was also, he also helped with the electrical. Uh, he did some shade tree electrical, uh, with, uh, with a licensed electrician for years. So mm-hmm. I had some skill sets over the years of people that I've known, uh, I've known him since sixth grade. So we're, we're basically brothers.
0: Yeah, of course. No, yeah, and that's, when you know somebody that long, you can trust them with uh, just about anything. Uh, it's a it's an amazing amazing gift. That's great.
1: And and we bro- and we basically broke in the first vehicle on the uh, on the lift the other day to actually to work on, not to just play with, but and make sure everything worked. But we actually used the shop uh, a couple days ago to uh, do a wheel bearing and uh, brakes on the front of uh, his uh, Chevrolet truck. Though so have okay. already been put to use once
0: that's perfect and that's what you want and i'm sure that anytime he needs that lift that garage door will be open to your buddy so that's great
1: he's he's he's, he's got a key to it so he's got full full rain. yeah
0: that's a good way to do it and brothers deserve that that's awesome yep oh man well i gotta tell you we i will definitely be sharing the, the photos of what you have have done and where things stand you have toys galore in there you have all the accoutrement that you need I uh, I could see why it's hard probably to go back in the house once in a while.
1: Yeah, you lose track of time out here on a, <laughs> on a regular basis. Sure. Um, I you turn the lights on out here, and you, if you have the door, if you have the doors open or closed, and you'll see a light coming through the back door if you look over at it. But if you have the doors uh, doors closed and you're working in here, it's almost like like uh, staying in Vegas on the casino floor. Yeah. you don't know if it's day or night.
0: Exactly, exactly. And that's sort of. Uh, the intent you don't know day or night up or down it's kind of hard to figure that out. Right. Very cool. Well, I'm going to exactly. give you the final uh, final mile behind the wheel. Anything you want to close with or shout out? Like you said, you gave uh, special thanks to your best friend. Everything, but anything you want to close this episode with? I'm going to give you the give you the, the wheel.
1: Um, basically, if you if you decide to do this do this early in life, um, I turn 42 uh, next week and. If I could have done this five years earlier, um, I would have. Uh, if you have the capabilities of doing it mm-hmm. early in life and you enjoy it even longer, mm-hmm. I would suggest it. Don't wait until you're 50 or 60 to build your dream shop. Just just build it yeah. and enjoy your life.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, based on losing your dad last year and some other things, we aren't guaranteed anything. So, Exactly. You can put so many things off for so long, but it may not ever come, so... That's a good philosophy. Well, Russ, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us from Dallas today. Hopefully that rain will abate and you'll get out there and uh, get to have a little bit of fun. Uh, But thank you so much for being part of the show. Thanks for being a fan. I know you've been following the podcast for a long time. And thanks for representing uh, uh, Texas on behalf of uh, everybody out there. So thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. We are back to Studio A. A Texas-sized thank you to my buddy Russ for sharing his car stories with all of us. I hope in the future if I get a chance to run the Z06 cross-country and I'm coming back across the southwestern states of the U.S. to uh, have, a, have a run along with uh, Russ and his car club and uh, just hang with those guys with the vet. Now, it's time for that trivia answer that I owe you all, and that is this. The question just restated was, who is a late Texas-born automotive legend who had an enormous impact on the American car industry? He uh, passed away and went to the great raceway in the sky at the age of 89. Answer is Carroll Shelby. At the time of Shelby's passing in June of 2012, he was allegedly working on an experimental engine. So, as you can imagine, even right up to the end, he was giving back and, and making massive contributions to our hobby and and our industry so as one of my personal heroes may his legend live on with all of us all right everyone Uh, we are now at the end of this week's road trip and my friends as always i sincerely value uh all the folks at carlisle events as they continue to host the car shows auctions and swap meets at america's automotive hometown of carlisle pennsylvania And I'd like to send a special shout out to the entire team at Porsche Mechanicsburg. Congratulations to them for a banner sales month and wish them continued success. Well, we can't wait to have you come back to join us next week. Just remember, this is your podcast and we wanna hear your voice. Email us at carsacarlow at outlook.com. Though we might be behind the wheel, this is all about you and for you. We can't wait to have you come back and join us again next week. Just remember, this is your podcast. Even though we sit behind the wheel, it is yours. We wanna hear your voice email us at at carsofcarloutoutlook.com and we take all feedback very seriously and try to make this a better podcast week over week each and every month because together it is truly all about car community and car culture. So for now I'll say drive well, be well, take care.